You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us on Real Presence Live. Before we head into Straight Talk, I want to invite you to visit our website, realpresenceradio.com for even more great content. And there you can listen to programming from your local area. You can find a podcast if you missed one of the daily shows and submit a prayer intention for Prayerfully Yours and see what's happening across that work too on our news page. So be sure and check it out. That's realpresenceradio.com. Well, you heard the dial tones, and that means it's time for Straight Talk. Give us a call at 877-795-0122 right now, and uh, we'll get you on the air with Father Daniel, and you can try to stump the priest, I guess. If there's anything that you have been uh, wondering about when it comes to why we believe what we believe as Catholics, or if you have a, a question on the faith that you have just not had a chance to ask yet, now's the time. Again, the phone number is 877-795-0122. You can also send your questions in on Facebook. And uh, our call screeners will also be checking messages there. Are you ready, Father? Are you ready for... I'm ready. <clears throat> brace yourself. Ready as I'll be. You, you, uh, during the break there, you filled your coffee cup. You've got your Bible handy. You've got, you know, your smartphone there ready to, to do the research. Oh, we got the Googles. <laughs> <laughs> got a case of the Googles, do we? Uh, 877-795-0122 is the phone number. So here... We're, uh, what, a couple of weeks into Lent right now? We are. Yeah. And I think uh, you and I were on the air two weeks ago today, mm -hmm. the day before Lent began. Right. And so here we are, making our way through. You're wearing purple I've today? I've got my purple going. I've got my purple going. That's the only thing I'm doing for Lent. Mm -hmm. I've decided not to. No, I'm just kidding. There are a few other exercises and, and things, but I'll tell you what, there's one in particular, and I'll just tell you what it is. I, I have uh, eliminated the sweetener in my coffee. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I'm just going with the cream. And I'll tell you what, I'm pretty sure this is what they serve in purgatory because it's horrible. <laughs> now, Co is that just here coffee? in our office? No, not or is just that here everywhere? in your office. Everywhere I go, every morning, it's such a sacrifice. I'm, I'm, I'm getting up and I'm thinking, I'm going to find something else. I'm going to switch gears here for Lent. I'm going to find a different thing because this one I cannot do because this is just absolutely horrid. Coffee. I don't like coffee. I like creamer and sugar with a coffee mm -hmm. flavor. That's kind of my thing. And so, um, yeah. So, can I switch gears? There, there. That's your first question. Live in the studio from Deacon Dan. Father, can I switch gears during Lent and do something else? I think you need to examine your motives and consult your spiritual director. <laughs> I thought I was. <laughs> oh. Well, I think you could just switch to Mountain Dew with some cream and you'd oh, be fine. Oh, yuck. Oh, Mountain Dew with cream? Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, I hope you handle the other questions better than you handled that one, Father. 877 <laughs> the number to call. Uh, actually, in the past, I have done that where I have given up something for a week at a time in Lent. But it was intentional in the beginning. You know, this week I'm going to do so this. So you set a rule that you I could set a rule arbitrarily change. And I, yes. And so... Um, uh, that, that's what I did. And uh, this year I did not, I said, you know, I'm going to get, I can do this, you know, but I tell you what, I go through the Splenda like mad on a Sunday morning. Oh my gosh. I'm loving that. So you've taken Sundays <clears throat> off. I've taken, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. They're not Lent. 
Okay. Well, I, I, I celebrate the Feast of the Lord on Sundays. And, okay. and, it's not uh, one of the 40 days. No, no. So, yeah. But, but in the past, I have, you know, for this week, I'm going to try this. And then if, if I go through the week and I do great at it, I think, okay, that's probably not much of a sacrifice. But if I struggle with it that week, I will say, I think I better stick with this another week. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know. Discipline your desires. Discipline my desires. Mm-hmm. But. Calm the itch. Ah, yeah. So you haven't had a lot of great advice from me. Thank you, Father. <laughs> well, I don't like to give advice in public. <laughs> oh, well, see, that's part of what this segment is. Because then if you're not able to follow it, people will know your rule and you'll be embarrassed. Oh, okay. Let me. I got a buddy of mine. Who gave up creamer and sugar sweetener in his coffee. A buddy of mine. Somebody you don't know. And he wants to change. Can he do it? Well, (laughs) the first question is, is he he a liar? Mm -mm. No. No? No, he's he's a very honest man. You have a buddy. I have a friend. We can't do confession on the air. (laughs) This is not going well for me. (laughs) Or my buddy, I mean. 877-795-0122 is the number to call. 877-795-0122. Remember, you can also uh, submit your questions um, uh, on the website, I think, can't you? And on on Facebook, anyway. Uh, Submit your questions on Facebook. And if you're a person who doesn't want to talk on the radio, mostly because you've heard the hosts, you Mm -hmm. don't want to get bogged down in that. Mm Mm-hmm. You can just go ahead and uh, leave your question with the uh, the person who answers the phone, and they'll ask it for you. Well, here's one. Vatican II sometimes gets a bad rap. So what was all the confusion from or about? What did Vatican II actually teach? And uh, what were the positives that were brought about by Vatican II? Do you, do you suppose they're talking about liturgy that, that specifically? Or, or do you want what? to take a crack at it? No, you go right ahead. <laughs> I got a buddy of mine I got to talk to. <laughs> All right, you go give him a call. I'll do that. Vatican II. So what was the confusion from or about? And that is a challenging question. You know, there's so many different people's uh, opinions and commentary on Vatican II, on the council itself, on what followed, on the uh, media commentary during and after. Uh, that is a difficult question to answer, but but I'll try. And what did it actually teach? And what were the positives brought about by Vatican II? Well, what I would say, what did Vatican II actually teach? I would claim that you should look at the documents, that the documents actually are the words that the Council taught. Mm-hmm. So read the document. That, well, I've heard this statistic before, and I don't know, you know what it is, but that it's the most quoted, Vatican II, the most quoted documents and the least read documents. Mm. Is that true? The most quoted but least read documents. That's possible. Though. That's possible yeah. because I, I I think it's true. There are a lot of people would, that would try to claim that whatever their perspective is, whatever their agenda is, came from whether them. right or wrong, you know, came from the council and try to find a quote or make up a quote. Perhaps no, probably not, uh, to justify whatever direction they'd like to go. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the purpose of the council that that I remember, uh, Pope John Saint John the Twenty Third articulated was to be able to present the faith anew to the world, the same ancient faith, but uh, in an expression that uh, could reach the world, you know, to communicate uh, with with the words that would uh, reach the people of the time, not changing the content of the faith, but articulating it anew. And so the documents are trying to describe uh, different aspects of the faith, of the mystery of the church, who are we as members of the church, who is, what is the church as the body of Christ, 
um, made up you know as the people of God. Uh, you know, there's the document on liturgy, trying to describe what is the heart of liturgy. And one of the phrases that came out of that was about people's participation in the liturgy. And so a lot of, you could say, uh, wars of interpretation are about that, about mm-hmm. what is the proper participation of the people in the liturgy. And there are a lot of things that followed in the aftermath and the, 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 the wake of the council um, that, you know, People would claim the spirit of Vatican II, maybe not something reflected in the words of the documents, but a sense of the spirit that came out of it. And obviously that's maybe the most contentious um, general issue, is do you rely on the documents or on the so-called spirit? Um, And how do you discern what is that that supposed spirit then? Mm -hmm. Uh, There definitely was media coverage during the council that drove, um, because let's just say at home now, you don't have the instant communication that you had then. Um, you know, social media and with even just the internet and everything, there was daily news and uh, I suppose there was radio, but there was not the same regular communication about the proceedings of the bishops that were in meeting uh, during the council. But there was commentary, and uh, I I'm not sure that commentary always reflected the... Um, the documents. Document or the, the discussions that were, were happening, the final decisions that were made. Um, and then there are things, like you mentioned with liturgy, where... Um, there were changes to the um, rubrics, to the uh, form of the Mass, for example, that um, they weren't mandated per se by the Council, but after the Council, the um, commission that the Holy Father had set up recommended certain changes. The Pope did approve the changes, so the Missal as we have it now, mm-hmm. the Missal being the, the book, the rubrics, the, the prayers that we use for Mass. Um, but there are a lot of things that happen that are, were not mandated, but are taken for granted now. With mm-hmm. uh, language, using the vernacular was not mandated, but uh, it became allowed. Mm-hmm. Or different ways of receiving Holy Communion, or priest orientation of the altar facing uh, the people, or facing um, to the liturgical east. All these things they weren't mandated by the council, but they certainly were widespread afterwards. So that's you know, there's a lot of discussion and debate mm-hmm. about all of those matters. Mm-hmm. So what did the council actually teach? That's where I say, well, you know, read the documents. Read the documents, yeah. yeah. I would argue that's what the council actually taught. Our phone number again is 877-795-0122. You can submit your questions there, either on the phone with us live or uh, uh, leave your, your question with a, with a uh, uh, the messenger there, or you can also submit them on Facebook. Here's one from one of your own parishioners, Father. Mm. Do you remember the... Uh, uh, the homily you just delivered last Sunday. Two days ago? Yeah, way back then. Is that a trick question? It's a, can Father Daniel reshare his stats from communion this past Sunday on oh. receiving hand-to-hand or orally? Oh, funny. Was that about the virus? Or? Okay, so deacon, a deacon actually gave the homily, but the oh, end okay. of Mass, oh, because okay. there's I'm all sorry. this stuff, controversy about coronavirus, uh, I just shared a thought because I know people, some have concern about transmission of the disease at mass. And of course, who wouldn't have a concern to prevent illness? Uh, But I just made a note that I made an observation over the weekend and I was surprised. This is just my experience as one priest in one place, but about now, with whom did I have more physical contact Mm -hmm. in terms of people that were receiving Holy Communion? Those that received in the hand or those that received in the tongue? Mm-hmm. To say that I had contact maybe with one person who received on the tongue, 
And 90% of people who received on the hand, the hands kind of had some contact. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, so thank I you. just use that to tell people uh, there's no policy yet in our diocese, and you're welcome to receive either day. Here's my experience in this weekend of how much physical contact there was between the priest and communicants. And it surprised me there was more between those who received in the hand than those who received in the tongue. And and on the hand, by the way, you've got more germs, generally speaking. I heard a statistic this that, that, oh. that your, your, your hands are carriers of germs far more than your tongue is mm-hmm. because your hands have touched doorknobs and pews and, <laughs> you know, sure. phones and things Hymnals. like that. Right, Hymnals, If yeah. they're participating. Of right, course, yeah. yeah, right, right. Okay. The phone number is 877-795-0122. And from Bismarck has left this comment for me, okay? If you serve your coffee ice cold, it doesn't taste half so bad without the sugar. <laughs> well, there you go. I don't want that. <laughs> I, I want my sugar. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you, Anne. Appreciate it. Pray for me. There's a long, a long way to go still. Well, I appreciate that you didn't ask for Splenda. Yeah, well, yeah, I did last time, but you wouldn't supply it. Sweet and low. It's a sweet and low parish. Is that in Vatican II? Is that something that came from Vatican II? It was an innovation. (laughs) In the spirit of Vatican II, here's how we sweeten our coffee. All right. You know, but, you know, the positives. I think there are, um, there's a new emphasis on um, people kind of understanding and entering into the mystery of the Mass, you know, whether that's completely effective or not. But what I've heard from people that lived through that time, I was born after that time, as you Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. was... uh, Many people did kind of learn more about the Mass, and you know, they appreciate taking part in a way that they can understand with a little bit more use of, um, well, the way the readings are. You think, just I'm thinking of Mass now, because that's mm-hmm. our week, that's sure. the center of our life and sure. our weekly or daily experience. But the lectionary being changed, so there's a three-year cycle with a richer array of the Scripture readings. Um, many people appreciate that the vernacular is used more substantially so they feel like they can understand more um i know you could have a missile to read along when the mass is in latin um, but for some people that um is a challenge um i don't know what yeah. are the positive you lived through yeah. it i did not you lived I, through the uh, the wake that you grew up the way yeah i i uh, uh, masses were in english for yeah. for all of my life but uh, um I, I will i do have a comment but first let me give you that phone number again it's 877-795-0122 877-795-0122 and uh it's hard to uh to manage the number of phone calls coming in right now but we're doing our best operators are standing by so uh 877-795-0122 so here's here's what i've noticed um though uh, I grew up post-Vatican II and in the wake. Uh, in our parish, in in my hometown in St. Paul, it was the Church of the Holy Childhood in St. Paul, Minnesota, we had a very conservative uh, priest at that time. And when uh, other uh, pastors and priests were removing um, communion rails and standing for communion, he had us continue to kneel at the railing, receiving only on the tongue, you know, with a server with a patent underneath, and you know, it, that's that's what I that's what I grew up with. Even though the other churches in the area were not doing that, recently statistics have come up saying you know that uh, there's such I don't know if is it a third of the of Catholics do not uh, either believe in or really get the real presence uh, in the Eucharist. Yeah, it's a substantial it's it's a Pew a, research. Yeah, uh, yeah, put out a figure, and uh, and so there's some statistics about that. And somebody asked me why that would be. 
Is it the fact that our teaching is lacking or was lacking for a while? And, and I think that's, that's probably part of it. But also just those physical things that we do in life change the way we perceive and, and, and act spiritually. And so, you know, okay, now we're receiving on the, on the hands. It's not such a sacred thing. We can touch it. Uh, now we can stand instead of kneel. It's not, it's, you know, we, we've taken away some reverence. So there's certain things like that that we have physically changed that they will credit to Vatican II that probably weren't necessarily part of it. Um, but that has kind of led to a decrease in, in some of the way we respond spiritually. That's an argument that I hear often. I, uh, and I see a question from Carmela that mm -hmm. touches on this topic. Okay, Why is the Mass like night and day since the Council opened and then closed? Uh, there's no place in the documents that changed the Mass as we see it today. Really miss the reverence and awe that was and now is not. God help us. So that's from Carmela. And, you know, why is it like night and day? And again, it, it, I can't put my finger on exactly why it's mm -hmm. like night and day, uh, other than there was that process that, uh, you know, there's the commission set up and the, the Holy Father with the apostolic authority given to him did allow these changes of the, the actual documents you know, of the uh, general instruction of the Roman Missal that guides how we celebrate Mass. I'm not saying that everything that happens is according to the documents, you know, and all the experimentation after uh, the new missile was issued. Uh, I'm not saying that was under the guidance of the documents. I think there was the peop many folks taking what they believed was the spirit of the time and the Vatican II and, and experimenting in ways that uh, I and most of my, uh, I guess, friends would not see appropriate. Mm -hmm. But... Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's true that St. Paul VI talked about the smoke of Satan entering into the church in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, so certainly the evil one does try to tempt and divide us and lead us to do our own thing, to manufacture uh, worship and, and truths as we uh, see fit. But uh, I think that's one of the mysteries of the Mass, is that it's something that it's a gift to us that's received. Uh, Jesus gives... Uh, the disciples, his body and blood at the Last Supper, he commissions them to do this in memory of me. Uh, it's a gift that is given, not one that we're meant to manufacture or manipulate. And, uh, but that's one of the things that we tend to like to do as humans. We want to, kind of, in our pride, kind of uh, think that we have a better way generally. I have a better way than you. You have a better way. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you don't have a better way than me. Excuse me, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, and then when there's kind of uh, uh, a trend, you know, among groups to um, want to do their own thing, then, you know, they feel justified in doing that. And uh, it's just one of the ways that we go in our uh, pride. But it is a gift that is given to us. And so I think that's where sometimes you'll see... Uh, um, I don't want to say rigidity, but a sense that the guidance of the Mass is something that uh, we just want to follow and not adapt on our own whim, because um, if this is not something that I created and I get to control. It's not a recipe that I'm making a meal with. This yeah. is someone's sacred body that was given uh, for me. This is the food that he's feeding us to guide our minds in the way of truth. Uh, we have many features of the Mass that changed. I, 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 well, I guess personally, yeah, I, I see that argument. Uh, mm -hmm. There are some things mm -hmm. that reduce uh, uh, the signs of reverence that 
way of receiving Holy Communion. There is a sign value to... Um, what else in life do you kneel down and receive on your tongue? Right, right. Uh, but there are when else things. do you genuflect in life? Well, I guess, yeah, I usually don't genuflect to you. No. Um, <laughs> but uh, that form of receiving, it, it emphasizes the uniqueness of the sacrament of of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Whereas there are other things that we simply receive on the hand, you mm-hmm. know, like... Sure. Uh, and I'd be interested to see, um, you know, children now, sometimes if they're too young or they're visiting and I want the cracker, mm-hmm. you know, sure, scream sure. out because they see everyone else going yeah, up and receiving yeah. the body of Christ. And I don't know, would that be the case when everyone was kneeling up along? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, this mm-hmm. is, what is this? You know, yeah, yeah. kneeling and you have to open my mouth and what is that? Mm-hmm. Know, at least it makes you question. Mm-hmm. So I understand that argument. Yeah, um, try not to so you put it this way. You know, if the Holy Father has established uh, a law on something, then I'm going to respect that. Mm-hmm. But um, some of these things are not mandated by law. You know, the orientation of the priest to the altar. Um, we're given the indult to receive communion in the hand. But um, there's a clarification maybe 15 years ago that if someone kneels, you cannot re- refuse them communion, as some priests have been doing in the past, mm-hmm. demanding they stand and receive in the hand. Mm-hmm. So okay, yeah. All right, eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. It's a follow up question from uh, Carmela. You were just speaking about this one, and and uh, Carmela says, "I don't necessarily mind the vernacular. What I don't understand is why so many of the beautiful prayers that the priest prayed, past tense, have changed to practically nothing, especially the canon of the mass." Can you comment on on what she's speaking of there? Well, I, I suppose with the canon, the mass uh, in the past there was the Roman canon mm-hmm. uh, for. Those of us in the Latin rite. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there are multiple options for Eucharistic prayers that one can use from the Missal. Uh, you still can use the Roman canon, so it would be the, uh, the same words translated into English. Well, you could pray it in Latin, too. There, there's no law against that mm-hmm. in the Novus Ordo, in the, in the uh, current, you could say, um, ordinary form of the Mass. Uh, so, But there are a lot of private prayers the priest would pray at the altar that the others wouldn't hear that... Um, that were abrogated. Um, and then at the beginning of the Mass, there were the prayers at the foot of the altar, where uh, there'd be a psalm, the server and the priest would, would pray, uh, and then the confitier, the I confess, you know, the priest mm-hmm. would, would do first, and then the servers would pray, and of course the people weren't praying that uh, together with them at the time uh, allowed. Uh, so that's an interesting thing. I find, you know, the Novus Ordo, as far as I understand, having celebrated the traditional Latin Mass, and then also the new form, um, that is interesting that I think in the new form, if you follow the rubrics, uh, everyone is beating their breast, mm-hmm. uh, confessing their sins. Mm-hmm. In the old, I don't think that was the case. I think it was just the server and the priest. Mm-hmm. But Server representing the, the congregation right, in a way, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, hmm. Well, there are some beautiful traditions in there uh, as well. And I think, um, uh, you know, my, my suggestion for, for people is to even, you know, what, whatever form of Mass is being celebrated at your church, if you can take some steps to understand it, we don't sit during Mass because we've been standing and it's time for a rest. You know, there's a particular reason why it's appropriate to sit here. There's an important reason why we're standing when we stand, why we kneel when we kneel. Uh, there's there's a reason that we all stand up when the priest processes in from the back. And it's not just because the priest is here, everybody stand. It's, you know, that we're on a journey. We're part of this procession to the holy mountain, up the altar. And so there are a lot of uh, beautiful things about, about, uh, about the Catholic Mass where uh, I believe that, uh, you know, we may not 
we may be kind of pushing some things aside because we want something else without really fully understanding what we do have still as well. So just, just you know, I'm not suggesting one way or another as a preference, but just to, to learn about it and enter into it as best you can where you are. So, mm-hmm. All right, up next, uh, Deacon Jim Kruzeter will share his uh, how his mission to serve the church has taken him overseas and what has happened as a result that is truly beautiful. And later we'll hear from Father Samuel Schneider. His vocation as a priest is about to become even more significant, a uh, more significant part of his secondary calling to serve our country. We have another great hour of Real Presence coming your way, so stay with us on Real Presence Live. 